Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground. Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. KFI AM uh, 640, Bill Handel here in the morning crew, Thursday, February 9th. And uh, real quickly, uh, Jennifer, uh, just in my ear, a piece uh, by headset, uh, came in with the news that literally broke a second ago. Bert Bacharach. Has died. Oh, it's a shame. I and you know what? Going through his body of work, holy cow! Yeah. You don't you don't think about unfortunately somebody's body of work until they pass, and you go back and you actually look through it. But you know, songs like "Say a Little Prayer." Oh <sighs> yeah, didn't he do uh, "Snowflakes Keep uh, Falling All Over the Ground"? Well, that'd be "Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head." Oh, okay. Uh, I knew that was close. Weather related, yeah, yeah, whatever. In the genre, yeah, exactly. Thank you, but uh, that's a shame because uh, you know he, he did produce a, a huge body of work. Also, uh, want to uh, give you a couple of stories that we are covering. Uh, unfortunately, the death toll, and we're going to be reporting this for days and weeks, is now uh, nineteen thousand. Uh, that it is very tough. And then Disney uh, is going to cut seven thousand jobs. And I'm going to talk to Middleton. I wonder how many at Disneyland. Or how many here at headquarters? Oh, but they're all over the world. I don't know. That was like 3% of the workforce. Here's a story I want to share with you that is, I mean, the word chilling, uh, I don't even think begins to describe this. So it's a lawsuit. And let me start with um, uh, what happened in the spring of 1997. There was a 17-year-old young woman uh, who was part of the Pomona High School girls track and field team. And she confronted the coach, Kittrick Taylor. Uh, who is also a former NFL wide receiver. And uh, according to this lawsuit, Taylor, uh, the girl said, had gotten her pregnant. She said, you got me pregnant. And it, uh, the lawsuit alleges that uh, he began having sexual intercourse with her uh, a year earlier. Now, keep in mind, that's at 16, during a trip to a track and meet in Las Vegas. Uh, and... He was doing this while uh, his buddy, the head basketball coach, a guy by the name of Brian Critchlaw, had sex with a 16-year-old, Jane Doe 1, because they obviously don't mention names of these uh, girls, in the same bed uh, or in the same room in an adjacent bed. I mean, look at that. And the girl tells Taylor, again, the allegation, she needed to take care of the pregnancy. And so he pays for the abortion arranges for another school district employee to drive her to the abortion clinic. After the abortion, the employee drives her back to Pomona High to finish her classes for the day. And uh, the women sued Taylor, Krish Law, uh, the school district in September of 2020, and a settlement was reached on December 17, 2021. And this is just an additional lawsuit. Okay, now, as horrible as that is, uh, and, and it, it's a tough one uh, of... Uh, School uh, officials, coaches, teachers abusing young girls who are very vulnerable. Taylor and Krishlaw are still working with children and young women. Taylor works at a treatment center for abused and at-risk kids. Uh, Krishlaw is head of women's basketball at Mount, Mount San Antonio College in Walnut. I mean, how crazy a story. They both are still working with young women, even after the allegations have been made. Now, allegations, uh, I can understand you you give the benefit of the doubt or you look at it carefully. Uh, And this is like the Cosby case, uh, uh, the Weinstein case. One woman saying, hey, look at what you did to me. All right, you look at that. 
Okay, and when it's denied, it's denied. All right, you say, okay, it's a he said, she said. All right? Uh, when you have Cosby with 80 women, when you have Weinstein with over 60 women, you go, okay, maybe there's a there there. Here, in this lawsuit, seven women accuse these two. Is that enough? To where you go, okay, uh, I think we're done letting them work with young women. Oh, and there have been depositions, and uh, the fifth was taken. Now, you can't assume that just because the fifth is taken, that automatically makes someone guilty. Of course, you make that assumption. Uh, no lawyer in the world is going to let a client at a deposition not take the fifth if there is a tiny chance that it can be misinterpreted. Everybody thinks uh, that Donald Trump taking the fifth in his deposition 400 times, because that's what lawyers do. They push it and push it and push it and push it. Somehow indicates that he's guilty. Do I think he's guilty? Yes. However, uh, because he takes the fifth, that's more the lawyer telling him to take the fifth. So that one you have to uh, put on the table or you have to uh, sort of eliminate that. Seven women, though, settlements that have been filed, uh, that have been uh, settled, and I'm assuming for pretty good-sized women, I mean pretty good-sized money, and they're still working with uh, young women in, in various capacities as uh, coaches and counselors. Yeah, what do you think, huh? Wow. And this is um, at Pomona High School and the school district. Pretty tough. All right, this is a story uh, about uh, the LADWP. Uh, now, uh, Los Angeles Water and Power Department is an interesting, uh, probably the most interesting one across the country. If you remember the Enron scandal, when all of a sudden all utilities started selling off their power plants and buying uh, energy on the open market because uh, it was all deregulated, well, LADWP refused to do that. And uh, guess what? Completely right. I live in LAWP land, and I pay half of uh, the energy costs that you folks who live in uh, Southern California Edison. So, LA City Council uh, yesterday uh, moved, decided to move forward, and this is unanimous, with an $800 million plan to convert the largest gas-fired power plant we have to green hydrogen, first-of-its-kind project in uh, the country. And so, wow, you look at this, hydrogen uh, doesn't produce emissions. All you get is water vapor out of the use of hydrogen. So you'd think that uh, the uh, green folks would be, this is terrific. No, of course not. They're going crazy. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a boondoggle already. And uh, here's the problem. And this has to do with the Scatter Good Generating Station. Maybe that's the problem, just the name of the, uh, the generating station. And it's uh, near El Segundo right there on uh, the coast. So the DWP wants to install turbines capable of burning uh, significant quantities of hydrogen. And that's never been done before on this larger scale. And the fuel would be produced from the water. And uh, that is renewable energy. Because uh, no emissions are there, or getting money from, or get uh, power from solar panels or wind turbines, whatever the technology is, and the city wants to uh, convert its other gas plants to hydrogen as well. And the argument here, DWP officials are saying that uh, we have to burn only hydrogen or have uh, other kinds of alternative power to make that 2035 date. So we have total renewable energy here in the state of California. It's not going to happen. Not even close. Uh, one of the things the DWP folks saying, uh, the technology may not even be available right now. We're moving in that direction. We're going to set up these power plants. But it may turn out that in the end, uh, the scattered good plant has to remain at least partially able to use uh, natural gas, which is uh, the fuel that the vast majority of uh, plants, certainly here in the United States, used, I think, in California, the West Coast, and in the United States, I think coal-fired plants are, uh, I don't know how many there even exist. Uh, so, according to the DWP Director of Resource Planning, uh, Scattergood, uh, scatter at worst, should be able to burn at least 30% green hydrogen on day one, which is pretty important. Now you have groups like 
uh, Communities for a Better Environment, Pacoima Beautiful, uh, the Sierra Club, and uh, admitting that hydrogen does not produce uh, the carbon emissions, the planet warming carbon emissions, but what it does generate is lung-damaging nitrogen oxide pollution, more so than gas. So here is the bottom line. If you move away from something incredibly dangerous, and if you believe that uh, global warming, climate change, is an existential threat to the world, which I do, so you move into something that uh, at least reduces it, or in some cases, this case, actually eliminates it completely. But if there's another problem, uh, what do you do? Well, I I guess you want instant forever. I guess you want uh, no cyclical part of life. Everything up must go up. Everything sideways has to go sideways. Life is nuanced. And then you have activists pointing to the risk of explosions from hydrogen leaks. Here's the other thing. Without the use of nuclear power, in combination with solar panels, in combination with hydrogen uh, uh, power created from hydrogen, uh, among other ways of uh, dealing with alternative energy, you put all of that together, and that is the only way it's going to work. That's the only way we're going to approach 2035, uh, way later than 2035. And there's another side to everything. So now you have nuclear power, right? These power plants, which environmentalists used to go completely berserk. I mean, the demonstrations, the end of the world. I'm not talking about nuclear weapons either. I'm just talking about the use of nuclear power in power plants. No emissions, incidentally, unless you have a leak. Then, okay, Uh, then you have an emission or two. Then you have cockroaches that are two and a half feet long. Uh, I get that. And people are born with uh, arms coming out of their foreheads. All right, so there's a downside to that. However, do you know about half of the environmentalists are pushing for nuclear energy? Because the argument is nuclear energy, those plants are safer and safer and safer. And we've only had a couple go south. Now, they've gone south pretty well. I mean, we had uh, Chernobyl, which was a real good one. We had Three Mile Island, which... We had Fukushima. Uh, That got hit pretty badly. But when you look at it, you know how many power plants are out there? France, 85% of France's energy is nuclear powered. And it's only going to get better. They're getting safer and safer. And then the other argument is, but look at the nuclear waste. And that's a real problem. They put them in drums and then they encase them in concrete and then they put them in the bottom of uh, these huge caverns or at the bottom of the sea. They get mafia people to do that, you know, because those folks have all the experience of putting things into concrete and sinking them. And even with that, you've got a, a real issue. And you do, and we do. But then we're waiting for technology to deal with it. Fusion, for example, will deal with all that. All of it is complicated. But come on, do we move forward or do the environmentalists just stop everything cold? And the answer to me is pretty clear. Just shut up for a minute. Now, let us try what works. Have you been to a restaurant recently and there's a lot of outdoor dining? A lot more than there's ever been. And why is that? I've got one word for you. Pandemic. That's it. It's that simple. Steve Gregory and I, and the restaurant is now closed, unfortunately. Uh, We used to go up to a barbecue place up on Hollywood Way right near here, and uh, we always, Steve and I always have a contest as to uh, who can eat the most, and it's all pretty impressive. So we would order barbecue ribs uh, by the sides of beef, and uh, we would order pork ribs by the pig. And it was terrific, and it was all outdoor dining they had set up in the parking lot because most restaurants don't have the space in front of uh, the restaurant a little bit, you know, the sidewalk where there's a wide sidewalk. So what they did is they set up in the parking lot and we're allowed to set up in the parking lot and we're given permits to set up in the parking lot and they spent money setting up in the parking lot. They build over, well, let me tell you what happened with the restaurant up there because that's where Steve and I used to go on a regular basis. And uh, they built uh, this structure. Uh, They put this overhang and they built this uh, fence around it and uh, put uh, the uh, the benches, the picnic benches, 
uh, and the uh, bench seats, you know, the ones that uh, you, you sit in, looks like a, basically a picnic uh, table. And so they spent some real money. Well, so let's say it's still open or other restaurants similarly still open. And we're allowed to, notice the word, I use the word were, we're allowed to have those parking lot open spaces where they cannibalize their own parking lots to build these al fresco dining areas. Well, it was done for an emerg- on an emergency basis, which makes a lot of sense. Well, let me tell you what the city of L.A. is saying. The emergency is not here anymore. We don't need it. Now, you can still keep them. I mean, we're not going to take away those places. Maybe. And here's all you have to do to maintain it is you have to apply for a permit. Basically, reapply. Go through the process. Have plans drawn. And I'm talking about existing restaurant locations. And you've got owners of restaurants that are going, what the hell is going on? And this is going through right now. And restaurant owners are saying, hey, you know what, we, for those of us that survived, and the only way we survived was putting up these outdoor dining areas, now you're going to make us go through the process as if we are applying to do that. And look how much money we spent. And we may lose some of the spaces because we have to go through permitting now. And the planning department, uh, the Department of Building and Safety will go, you know what, uh, you have 40 seats, and we'd, uh, you know, that's that's too many. You've taken too much of the parking lot. Take away 15 seats. That's what they're looking at. And if you don't think Department of Building and Safety does that, just if you have the joys of ever dealing with a department, which I have, uh, it is, uh, they're horrible. I, for some reason, they hate everybody. So at least uh, when they made it miserable for me when I built and I've remodeled, the only solace is it's not just me. They hate all of us who are involved and ask for permits. So restaurant owners are uh, in an uproar, and it's legitimate. But on the other side, you know, this is a two-sided coin. On the other side, the city is saying that was simply an emergency process. And we gave it to you simply because of the emergency, and we told you about it. The argument is, do you think those people should be grandfathered in? I would think so. Well, the problem is, they're the only ones that are going to be uh, able to do that. You're just going to see people who've actually had the good luck to survive COVID through outdoor dining and were able to use part of their parking lot. Let's say you want to open up a restaurant where you use part of your parking lot for outdoor dining. Application, permits, plans, and be prepared for a lot of no. So if I'm opening up, if I am opening up a restaurant and I, I want those seats... I'm going to argue, you know what? How come those people got it and I don't get it? You've got to be fair. So you make them go through the permitting process. They say, we had an emergency. And you can't take away what we've built now. We'll see which way the city goes. If I had to guess, I can't guess. Not at all. All right, let's have fun now. Okay, Uh, a positive story. And that, of course, is this Sunday, the Super Bowl. And there's a lot of fun about the Super Bowl. You got the first two black quarterbacks, which I'm not excited about because they're just good quarterbacks. You know, I hate the first woman, the first uh, African-American, the first, I I hate that stuff. But you got two great quarterbacks. One of the most exciting one, Patrick uh, Mahomes. I mean, I I really like him. But anyway, uh, and then you got the Kelsey brothers, uh, which is a great story on itself, uh, playing for the opposite teams. And, and then the other story is uh, the commercials, because I think the Super Bowl is, and that's fair to say, is the only broadcast uh, that exists in this country, maybe the world, where people, a lot of people are more interested in the commercial than they are the games. People don't turn off those commercials. They don't go off and get the chicken wings and the guacamole dip. Uh, they do that during the game, but not during the commercials. And so you got a story of commercials and something actually occurred in 2011. 
that changed the game, if you will, completely. Do you remember, oh, first of all, a couple of iconic commercials that uh, I'll never forget, and you probably won't either. Uh, the um, 1984 Apple commercial, 1984. Remember the big hammer, a sledgehammer going through uh, the big, huge TV screen? I mean, that was just an astounding commercial that's still talked about this day and will be taught in advertising classes forever. Uh, then uh, some perennial favorites, the Clydesdales from Anheuser-Busch. I mean, I love those. Remember the little puppy one? following the horse. I mean, there was one take they had to remove when one of the horses actually stomped on the puppy and there wasn't much left of the puppy, so you didn't see that on TV. Uh, but they finally got it right. And so back to 2011. So do you remember that commercial, 60 seconds? So, man, it was a lot of money. You don't see many 60-second commercials. And that little Darth Vader, remember the kid who played Darth Vader and the car uh, was uh, it, uh, with the... Um, the fob, the dad was able to move the car, get it open, open the doors, do all that. And the kid thought that he was doing it, this little six-year-old, and it was absolutely adorable. And it was considered one of the better ones of that year or many years. Well, let me tell you what happened with that commercial. That started a trend, which you see every single uh, Super Bowl since then and getting more and more. What they did is they released that commercial on the Internet. And go, wait a minute, why would you do that? Because people want to be introduced to that commercial. That's what they wait for and watch the Super Bowl for that. And then the executives of the advertising agency and the company said, uh, hold on a minute, let's try releasing it. And the thought was, okay, people already seen that commercial and off they go. When it comes on the air, off they go to the guacamole. And that didn't happen. It actually got people more excited about the commercial to see it during the Super Bowl. It actually increased the audience. That's what the study showed. By the way, the advertising agencies, they spend a lot of money trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work, who's watching, how long they're watching. Because the commercials are $7 million per 30 seconds now. Yeah, that's some money. So that started this trend where now... What you see is virtually every commercial is introduced the week before and it goes to the internet and you go on the websites and there they are. Facebook, I mean, it's all over the place. And they're now doing different ways. A couple things have changed. First of all, sometimes it's the actual commercial. This is what you're going to see. Sometimes it's a tease for the actual commercial. They tease it. They introduce uh, the stars who talk about it's coming up. Oh, that's the other thing. It's all personality-driven now. Uh, are the horses even still around? Mm -hmm. Are we going to see the Clydesdales this time around? Probably won't see a puppy because that puppy didn't really survive that uh, incident when they— Wow. Uh, what? Wow. You know, there are, you know, accidents happen with those huge feet those Clydesdales have. Dogs know how to get out of the way. Not little puppies. Oh, handle. Okay. All right. Okay. Get let's, back on the road. Let's move on. That was on. a hard left. Okay. Let's 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 move on. Sick, yeah, man. It, yeah, I know. It's by the way, that's not true. It's just a visual. And uh, yeah, I want to make that actually before the emails come in. Oh all my right? gosh! Yes. Okay. Uh, so what you're going to see a lot are personalities. And uh, a lot of these I don't even know. Anna Ferris uh, pitches avocados from Mexico. Oh, Anna Ferris, sure. Blonde actress. She was married to Chris Pratt. Okay, thank you. Sarah McLachlan. McLachlan. McLachlan, the yeah. singer. Uh, yep. Saves bears uh, and beer. Dave Grohl, who I do know, uh, he is. Uh, he sort of confuses for Crown Royal, but it's okay. That's not bad. The Sanders family. Uh, Megan Trainer. Is all about Pringles. Jack Harlow is uh, all about celebrity chip. Oh. Walt and Jesse, Walter White and Jesse Pinkman uh, for popcorners. That spot is great. Is it? Very. Did you watch Breaking Bad? Uh, oh, yeah. I love Breaking Bad. You'll love that commercial then. Yeah. Okay. And so these are takeoffs, and I haven't yet to watch the commercials. I actually don't watch the teasers, I watch the commercials at the Super Bowl. So I just happened to be one of those people, and I miss a lot. Melissa McCarthy, 
who I love. I think she is wonderful. And uh, so uh, she's prepping to sing uh, in uh, a live-action Little Mermaid film that's coming up. And uh, the way they're pushing it, uh, she's ready to grab her husband's butt uh, somewhere else. Ah, and uh, our uh, Tyler, who has seen all the commercials, thumbs down on that one, right? I'm not a, I'm not a Melissa McCarthy fan. Oh, I am. And it just goes on and on. A lot of personalities. So that's changed. Uh, so we're moving in different directions. I think the big story, $7 million for 30 seconds and sell out almost immediately. It's like they can charge anything. Hey, it's going to be $54 million for 10 seconds. Okay, we'll take it because that many people watch. Burt Bacharach is, uh, has died in 94, uh, a life well lived to say the least. The songs, uh, raindrops keep falling on my head. And you get pneumonia and you die, so there's a lot there. Uh, I'll say bye. I say a little prayer. Remember that? Yeah. Really, uh, uh, do you know the way to San Jose? Yeah, it's north. Uh, yeah, but, uh, like, who wants to go to San Jose, right? Unless, sure. you're, unless no, you're a tech guy, right? No, they're there. I know, I know. But, <laughs> you know, but it's San Jose. You can't say... Do you, uh, do you know the way to Peoria? It doesn't work as a song title. <laughs> I guess you're right. I lived in San Jose. It wasn't horrible. No, no, I understand. But no, how yeah, many but... people How many people go to San Jose unless you're you, you're in the tech industry? It's you true. Don't. Huh? It's true. Unless okay. you're a reporter and you get stuck there. Okay, or do you know the way to Silicon Valley? That doesn't work either. <laughs> That's going to cost you a penny. I know. Jason uh, Middleton is with us. Jason, uh, our business guy, has a business show Sunday 2 to 3 here on KFI. Also uh, is an anchor here on KFI. Uh, Jason, uh, thanks for uh, jumping aboard. Always appreciate it. All right. A couple of stories uh, that I want to share. One of the big ones is uh, Disney cutting 7,000 jobs by uh, Bob Iger, who is in his second uh, stint as CEO. Yes. They've asked him back. And uh, he talked about restructuring the company. Now, that's not any small deal. So what are the reasons? What's going on with Disney? And uh, their revenue is still pretty good. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, absolutely. No, the revenue was up last quarter uh, under his tutelage. He is going to be, he's the stand-in, if you will, the uh, the, the CEO uh, of Note because... He has a termination, right? And so he can do whatever he needs to get everything right, which is why I wrote Happiest Shareholders on Earth, because having Bob Iger back in that corner office is the best thing for Disney right now. They are He realizes that linear is not where the growth is for the company. So what I mean is broadcast, basically. So ESPN, ESPN+, Plus, the streaming videos are augmenting what's happening on the broadcast side. Now, he did spin out ESPN into its own category, so that's part of the reorg. Of course, the rumors are going to and have begun that Disney is looking to off-sell or sell ESPN as a standoff. He says, no, that's not in the plans whatsoever. Um, we do know, to your point about the 7,000 layoffs, so that's the how many. We just don't know where and when yet, not for sure. Now, the streaming uh, business is still losing a little bit, uh, $1.1 billion last quarter. Um, it lost $1.1 billion. It, it did, in operational costs, right. So, yeah, it's underwater, but uh, that's an expectation, I think, with, with this, because you uh, you're kind of waiting on a couple of things with with Disney Plus <clears throat> and that is they wa- we've only had this new bundle that they have the ESPN the Hulu and the Disney with the ads at this price point for about 90 day, not not even 90 days 60 days so we have to see how that plays out first that might attract more consumers as well now then if you look at the the big guy in the room Netflix is about to roll out and has started in some smaller countries the password sharing restrictions so we'll see how what kind of a headwind that is for subscriber um, acquisition, and I think that Disney Plus is probably going to be on the better side of that because they have a more diverse content yeah. portfolio. Right. Couple of questions. Uh, first of all, uh, Disney Plus. I know it was the most successful rollout of a streaming service that ever was. Yes, that's right. I mean, they came out and almost immediately hit, hit 50 million subscribers, uh, and. Uh, a couple of things. Uh, one, uh, do they make up even more cash by now charging $800 a ticket for a one-day park uh, hopper well, pass uh, as opposed to 250 or whatever they're charging now? 
Uh, and aren't the streaming services, all of them, between Netflix and Disney Plus and others, losing subscribers? Well, yes and no. Depends because they're adding those different tiers, right? So you can buy it with the ads. Actually, Netflix added 2.2 million uh, last quarter. So uh, that's with mostly people buying it. Yes, we'll go ahead and watch the ads. We can't. Yeah, I've skip. always I've always wondered about that. The whole concept of streaming was right. no ads. That was uh, what they sold. It's now just another commercial TV uh, program. Exactly. It's the new version of broadcast. That's what I mean when it says when linear is being supported by digital. That's what we mean. Because that's exactly right. And I think they always knew they were going to have to go there eventually because they just wanted the rest of the market to catch up with them. I think with Netflix, they have the case of – Disney could argue this too, but I think Netflix has a deeper content library where, peop where people will get hooked on certain shows and content and will sit through the ads so they can know what's happening next. I don't know if Disney for sure so, has that just yet. All right. So do you see, I mean, for I'm, example, uh, let's say Netflix comes out with a show that's just this huge breakthrough, right. you know, whatever it is. Uh, and do you see them releasing it only on the TV ad version, or do you see them uh, releasing it simultaneously? I think you've got to keep all legs on the stool, so they'll okay. probably push it across platforms. But to your point about the content, don't forget that Mandalorian just closed down, uh, Andor closed down in November. Mandalorian comes back in March. So well, What is Mandalorian? Oh, the, the TV show. Yeah, that's the one they launched with, the Disney Plus. That's what got so many, um, so oh, many I didn't, things I on didn't, Disney Plus. I, I didn't see it. Huge hit. Okay. Um, and uh, so we're in, the, we're in the lull right now when it comes to content, which is why you might not see subscriber growth. I think you're going to see that number pop next quarter. Yeah, what's the, what's the last major insane Game of Thrones uh, Breaking Bad uh, hit? I think it was Squid Games uh, was okay. pretty huge when it came across Netflix. All right, yeah, I saw that. I enjoyed it very, very much. And then you have uh, Peacock uh, with, uh, what, Yellowstone? Was that? Uh, yeah, and Poker Face is on Peacock, and it's brilliant. I love that show. It's, 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 it's a reboot of Columbo in a lot of ways, which got me thinking last night, why don't we reboot Quincy? Remember Quincy? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, Walter Matthau, right? Wasn't Clug it? It was Klugman. It was Klugman, I think. Oh, okay. Well, so much for that. I don't watch. You know, see, I'd lose that one on Jeopardy. All right, guys. Uh, by the uh, way, Bill, Yellowstone has transitioned over to Paramount. It's uh, no longer on Peacock. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, and Yellowstone is Paramount now. And they're looking okay, to sunset thanks, that so they can launch it with Matthew All right, McConaughey. thank you. And that's right. They go back and forth. Uh, yeah, they bounce a lot. Now, I want to talk about home buying. For some reason, I've always been fascinated about uh, home and home buying and how weird the market is and interest rates, and it's just all screwed up mm -hmm. uh, in general. So what's going on right now? Well, it seems to fit right in with the uh, meme of the entire economy. Everything's a little bit screwed up, a little bit upside down. So it looks like home buying is probably slowing down because of interest. I mean, interest rates, mortgage rates. Uh, people are holding on to their homes longer. Uh, they want to sell at a higher price that isn't there yet. Uh, so I think a lot of people are just saying, we're going to hold back on selling and buying. Like people who don't want to pay well, the mortgage rates, right? Yeah, I can understand uh, if you want to move and you want to go into another home, and let's say you've made a pile of money, you probably haven't made enough of a pile of money to just buy a new ca a new uh, a, a new house cash because right. you're probably going to uh, go up in value. Sure. You, want, you want to just uh, upsize, uh, and you're paying going to pay seven percent, and you're sitting on three percent money. Why would you ever do that? You suck it up and you go, I'm not moving. Right. I'm not about to pay twice the mortgage payment that I am for the same money. Mm -hmm. So I'm not selling. Mm -hmm. Same thing, people buying. Uh, you know, I'm paying rent. Uh, it's going up 5% a year, 4% a year. Let me tell you, 7% money is a lot of money. Yes, it is. So, uh, and then we have uh, the supply chain as it, it just nothing makes sense anymore. Right. And then you have the headwind of the Fed saying, well, we might not be done with these rate hikes this year. And I think that's a, probably a pretty good read. I think we're we're right now between 4.5 and 4.75 as a base rate from the Fed. I think it's going to go up another half percentage point this year. So that's going to help that uh, slow down the market even more. Then you have the other, the, the companies that buy houses for undervalue, right? The as-is houses. Uh, you call you call one of these companies, they come in, they give you an assessment, right. and they say, hey, we'll give you X amount for this. Yeah, I do commercials for direct buyers. Exactly. They do that. And so direct buyers are probably having, a, let's say, um, an, an abundance of uh, opportunity when it comes to their supply, their inventory, because people aren't buying. And so they're buying these flip-at-homes or houses for undervalue and holding on to them a little bit longer because they have to. Hey, let me 
ask you about the dynamics of that. Uh, how delusional uh, are the home buyers uh, now? Uh, we're used to, and I put, my, put myself there, we're used to 3% money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you've been around the last few years owning a house, it's gone up 20, 30, 40%. Is the anticipation that it's going to go up that high over the next, as much over the next several years? And is the money going to get below 5%, 4%? Because that's how we lived. Right. There is there is an expectation clash going on for sure. You, we, you and I bought houses 3%, 3 3.25% was pretty much standard mortgage rate. It was for almost 20 years, really. Uh, and now it's not. Now it's now I think 6.1% is an average price for a 30-year mortgage right now on the market. Um and if you're going to if you're trying to move it in this atmosphere it's it's just difficult i mean things are going to happen things are going to you know personal circumstances will force you to sell or buy i get that but at the same time like you said if you're going to upsell if you're going to give some extra square footage to you and your family now is not necessarily the time to do it but if you have a distressed property that you don't want to see the valuation fall farther into that's where you might call somebody who's in a home buying business okay uh, let's go into, uh, the story of Bed Bath & Beyond, uh, collapsing. We're watching it collapse, uh, in, literally in real time. Yeah, it is. Now we're watching a supernova explode yeah. right in front of us. Yeah. Bed Bath & Bye Bye. It's a, it's a meme stock, right? So that it, the, the internet kind of got ginned up, uh, last year when they wanted to go bankrupt. Uh, and now the banks are like, well, if we, we might want to go chapter 11 because you're bed, bath and beyond you guys are dragging this out longer enough. We want to get, make sure we get at least some of our money back that we lent you. Uh, they got a reprieve on Friday afternoon. They picked up enough cash for some operational business days. Probably by tomorrow, we'll know whether or not what's happening. The reason the bankers are not calling in their chit right now is uh, CHIT chit is because um, they don't want to be seen as causing hundreds or tens of thousands of layoffs in the country. That's way bankers actually care about that. That seems to be that seems to be right now. Like one of the reasons they're holding back and saying, "Okay, you can have one more crack at this. You fouled off the last pitch. You're going to get another pitch. So who in their right mind looking at Bed Bath and Beyond closing stores left, right and center by the day, by the hour is going to put a billion dollars into that company because that just happened. Well, it looks like it's a It's a company that's cash rich and uh, thinks that it can find an upside on this, and it's going to get it's going to get its dollars back before the okay, bankers that's get its pennies okay. back. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, uh, just a prognostication here. I want you to guess. I'm looking at Bed Bath and Beyond, and is it going to go uh, the way of Toys R Us, where the only thing that's left is the name? Yep, that's it. Nothing more than the uh, label. Perhaps an in-store uh, pop-up situation. Their physical footprint's going to go far away. That's oh. what I think. Okay, and then in one minute, Tesla. Okay, Tesla is up. Are you happy about that? Right now it's up, uh, wow, it's up 95% since January the 1st of this year. So it's up to $211 a share right now. So you've doubled your money since January. It's it's bouncing back. It's definitely bouncing back hard. Now, Elon is not the richest man in the world yet. The richest man in the world is, uh, he owns um, basically... um, all the luxury stuff in Europe. He's worth 70. Bernard Arnault, I believe is his name. 73 years old he is. Elon's only 51, 52, uh, and his worth is just shy, just shy. So maybe with today's bounce back, we we might have a tie for richest man in the world again. Yay. Yeah, that's, that's so important it is. But uh, <laughs> Tesla, it goes all over the place. And you have a CEO that's considered pretty squirrely, especially buying Twitter, all that. Uh, would you, considering how it dropped, considering how it goes up, its volatility, would you pi- put a pile of money in Tesla? I try not to make stock predictions. I will say this. I think I'd be more willing to invest in Tesla if Twitter was not an ad-based company because Elon's really good at running something that requires engineering. He's really not a salesperson, and that's what Twitter does. All right, Jason, uh, thank you. Jason heard uh, 2 to 3 p.m. Uh, right here on KFI on Sundays. And, of course, uh, Jason, an anchor here, uh, so you hear him all over the place. Jason, thanks. Thanks, Bill. We'll, we'll catch you this uh, weekend. Uh, it is time for Musings with Mo Kelly. Mo Kelly, heard every night, 7 to 10 p.m., right here on KFI, at Mr. Mo Kelly, his uh, social address. Uh, Mo, good morning. Good morning, my friend. How are you? I am uh, pretty good, actually. And um, uh, I, okay, I'll ask, how are you? <laughs> 
I'm wonderful. Thank yeah, you for being so considerate. Yeah, that's terrific. That's, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Fine. Insincere, but considerate. Yeah, that's the word I'd use, both sincere <laughs> and considerate. That's me. That's my middle name. Uh, okay, we had a lot to cover today, and um, let's start with uh, the entertainment uh, part of you. I know you, uh, you're sort of a hybrid. You do entertainment, which you're very strong at, and you do the rest of the stuff, which you're very strong at. So uh, I guess you are uh, a hybrid kind of person. Uh, Netflix and password sharing. When does that happen? What is going on? And what are we looking at it? Because I think most of us are Netflix customers. Well, that answer depends on when you asked me. If you asked me last week, I would have said that the net, uh, Netflix password sharing crackdown was supposed to happen at the end of March. Well, they posted what would be the rules online um, at their website, and there was such a negative backlash, me included, that they pulled them down and said that, wait, those weren't the official rules. We were just possibly trying some things, and they weren't supposed to be posted. I'm paraphrasing. But originally constructed, it was how, how they were going to lock people's accounts if you try to share the password beyond one physical residence. In other words, if you have a, a Netflix password password and you log in as the original account holder from your home address, that is the Wi-Fi which is attached to your account. And so anyone outside of that Wi-Fi uh, login has to check in or would have had to check in at least once every 31 days, or they would have locked your account. The obvious problems would be, well, what if I purchase a, a, a Netflix password for my mother and she doesn't live with me like I do, for example? Or what if you have a kid who lives with you most of the year, but they go away to college? How are they supposed to use Netflix? I don't think they thought this through at all, and so they pulled it down, and it's unclear whether they're going to bring yeah. it back in the way they thought. All right, so a couple of questions uh, that come to mind as I, I hear you t uh, tell that story is, uh, number one, uh, I'm not happy with it. What am I going to do? Not be a Netflix customer? Because I, I believe, and I'm certainly of that crowd, if I had one streaming service to, uh, uh, to have at home, it would be Netflix. It was the there first big one, and it's, I think, the best. There are a lot of workarounds that I would not recommend on your program but there are ways to work around it hint hint vpns and things of that nature and also there are a lot of people in this generation where well i will not subscribe until there's something i want to see if there's a particular series or a particular show i don't need netflix all year round i'll just wait get a free week a uh, week pass a, a you know like a trial of use of it and then i'll just keep doing that in perpetuity so this doesn't necessarily raise the total number of subscribers for Netflix, I think it, it puts a bad taste in people's mouths, and there's a lot more competition. Netflix may be the predominant streaming service, but it's not the only game in town anymore as opposed to six, seven years ago. So um, do the other streaming services, uh, you're allowed uh, password sharing across the board? Yes, at this moment, but there's talk of doing similar things with Disney Plus and, and the other streaming networks. I think they want Netflix to be the sacrificial lamb here to see how it goes over with the wider streaming community. Just as we talked about with ads and how they've added streaming tiers on, on different networks like Netflix, what they're doing is basically watching what uh, leaders will do in the industry. And if it works, they'll copy it. If it doesn't, they'll try something different. Yeah, well, if everybody jumps on board, uh, then uh, two things happen. One, uh, then you have no choice. You've got to follow the pack or you're not getting a streaming service. And you can follow the lawsuit for uh, in violation of anti-Sherman Trust Act and uh, monopolizing and collusion. So you have uh, your choices. But it, when you talk about being fair... Uh, I don't have a problem with that because uh, I'm paying for Netflix and I'm paying for five. Well, okay, let me go the other side. I'm paying for five uh, different devices. Does it matter where they are? Uh, and uh, at the moment, at the moment, it doesn't matter where they are. It would under the new proposed Netflix plan. Right. So going to uh, the content, uh, hit shows. How much do they affect? subscribers uh certainly there's an uptick of subscribers when you have a game of thrones uh, when you have a breaking bad uh, when you have something that really explodes uh and then what is the drop off when the series is over 
Well, Netflix is, and like Disney Plus, they're very savvy as far as making sure that they have new content every single month. And they sort of uh, schedule out their heritage series like Stranger Things, where they'll have these big releases at certain points in the year. So you have a, a continuum of new content, which keeps subscribers engaged. Now, there are other uh, streaming platforms like HBO Max is not as good at doing that, and they've struggled more than Netflix. But Netflix is good at offering new titles, new movies. Uh, some of them are from overseas. With, they're foreign content, and they have, they're dubbed or they have titles, but they're new to us in America. And they also have their new exclusive content that they're creating for, the, for their Netflix subscribers. So they have an array of ways of keeping us engaged as Netflix subscribers that other streaming services do not. Yeah, I'm wondering why uh, they uh, even dump uh, all of a season in one night. I mean, I love it. You love it. Anybody who does binge watching absolutely adores that. But uh, is that a way to keep subscribers week after week after week? Yes, and you actually beat me to it. I expect in the future that they'll move away from that. Amazon Prime, they'll give you two or three episodes at the beginning. Um, Disney Plus, depending on the series, they may give you two episodes at the beginning, but after that, it's week to week to week for that reason. And if you have a, a show, a season, which is over eight, nine weeks, especially if it's well-received, then you're keeping subscribers at least for two months, maybe three. Okay. So I would expect Netflix... If the password sharing um, controversy doesn't go away, I would expect them to have fewer bingeable series. Mo is going to talk to you about the China spy balloon, but I'd rather move into something that's going to happen this Sunday because uh, uh, this one everybody's going to jump in at uh, on, and that are that's the commercials on uh, the Super Bowl. Uh, have, how many of those have you seen so far on streaming? Well, they're all out there, but I actually try not to watch any of them until the Super Bowl so I can just get a more genuine response to them. Y yeah, you can find them on YouTube, but I would rather experience them in the moment. Now, look at the marketing as far as whether they tried to place them either right before the game, first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, and so forth, because there's a progression and there's a strategy in the sense of whether they think the game is going to be close or not. The prevailing ideology is try to get the commercials in as soon as possible or in the fourth quarter because they get lost in the middle. Well, when they quote $7 million for a 30-second ad, I'm assuming I'm assuming that's prime time, first quarter, where everybody no. is still. No, not at all? No, it, it, it's, it's pretty much static across the board, the $7 million. So, so they're not trying to. It's, it's one thing, if you get your money in earlier, if you get your spot in earlier, then you have more of a say in where the spot is going to be placed. But outside of that, if you wait too long, no, you'll end up in, in no man's land. All right, this morning I, I did a story on uh, the fact that uh, these uh, advertisers uh, put their commercials on the Internet. Uh, and the first one, uh, a little history here, the first one was, remember that young, the, the little boy Darth Vader ad in 2011? And, I do. Okay, that, that was the first one to actually go on the Internet first. Uh, I think it was on Facebook, uh, and everybody thought, oh, my God, you've already seen the commercial, who's going to watch it? As a matter of fact, the demand went up, and it turned out more people wanted to watch it and did sort of as a sequel. And now everybody's doing it. Uh, your take on that? I think it should be now, as we've seen more of these spots end up on the Internet, I think they should deb debut at the Super Bowl and then people will seek them out online and you'll see a lot of advertisers. They'll use that uh, that same ad in perpetuity for the next few months afterwards. I think it has more impact when people see it at the Super Bowl and then go to find it afterward. If I see an ad before the Super Bowl, it doesn't mean as much and I'm not as curious and I'm not surprised at all when it shows up during the Super Bowl. And I think it has a shorter legs in the, in the minds of many viewers and consumers. Okay, so how do you reconcile that? Because I agree with you completely. Uh, the anticipation of never having seen an ad before, watching the Super Bowl as much for the commercials as the game. And there's a good chunk of people that watch the Super Bowl for the commercials. And you would think it would be diluted if they watched the ads beforehand. Everybody is running ads beforehand. I don't think there is one advertiser that is not. And uh, so how do you reconcile that? Because I can't. I'm not sure I can reconcile it. I can, I, I guess I can 
theorize that from a marketing standpoint, if you're going to pay $7 million for an ad and there's already interest in people seeing the Super Bowl ads, why not get more bang for your buck, supposedly, and have people be able to find it on YouTube before the game? And so you're getting more than just that 30-second hit during the live game. I, I, I disagree with that, but, you know, they're the marketing professionals professionals and experts i just wouldn't do that do it that way because put it this way the big trailers like that marvel is going to be doing or the big movie ones you're not going to see those in advance they're going to make sure that you wait for the actual super bowl to watch it for that reason and i'm assuming uh, are you an ad watcher in the super bowl a game or both I try to do both, but it depends on where I watch the Super Bowl. If I'm in a place where there are a lot of people, it's almost impossible to hear all the ads and the intricacies and the subtle jokes and everything. If I'm at home by myself, then yes, I'll pay more attention to the ads. Yeah, whooping it up. Uh, isn't that fun? Just uh, having a rip-roaring good time where everybody is eating the guacamole. Mo, thank you. Uh, and uh, we'll talk about probably, well, maybe not. Uh, I'm sure you're going to talk about the China spy balloon uh, tonight. Probably not. <laughs> Well, okay, and uh, no, I'm, I'm serious. I'm moving away from politics. Okay, all right, yeah. fair enough, fair enough. All right, Mo, you have a good one tonight, seven to ten p.m. Uh, at Mr. Mo Kelly uh, is a social address. Mo, I'll catch you over the weekend. Talk soon. All right, uh, Shannon. Hi, hi, young lady. Uh, Super Bowl coming up, and of all the people that really know sports backwards and forwards, particularly football, it is you. Uh, are you a Super Bowl game watcher? Commercials? Well, certainly the game, but a yeah, commercial person? Not really. Like, I try to watch all the commercials either before or after because everyone's yapping during the commercials, you know? And you don't want to be the spoil sport that, you know, looks like the poltergeist girl in front of the television and, and not engage in the, you know, socialization of Super Bowl Sunday. I'm actually excited about this game. I think it's going to be a good game. Some yeah. years you're like, uh, blowout, blowout, no way. Um, but this one's going to be close, I right. think. Who's going to win? I believe the Chiefs will win. I don't believe the Eagles defense is as good as it uh, has been hyped up to be. Yeah, I would get into the intricacies of this, but I don't understand it no. on your level. So no. we're not even going to pretend. Well, to that to that end, the Super Bowl week gets so tedious there. Today, it's well, this week it's in Phoenix. But the questions that are asked of the coaches, of the players, are just so ridiculous. And, and we'll talk about it. I mean, asking Andy Reid who his favorite three current rappers are. Have you seen Andy Reid? Yeah. How much rap music do you think Andy Reid listens uh, to? That's a good point. You know, asking uh, the coach of the Eagles, is this a must-win game? It's the Super Bowl, Super Bowl you jackass. Yeah, that's so funny. It's like, the, I don't know if you've ever been in, uh, and I have not been, but Louisville, Kentucky for the Kentucky Derby. I have not been. Okay, it is a week and it's like Super Bowl week. Yeah. I mean a full week, and it's a two-minute race. Right. Yeah, that is insane. And you have to wear a dress and a hat. I, that's why I won't go, because I refuse to wear a dress. <laughs> All right, Shannon, really quickly, uh, what's going on today? Okay, the story out of Orange County about the public defender who goes to celebrate his first anniversary with his wife in Rosarito and ends up dead. She's finally talking about what happened that night in her experience. So we'll get into that because it's fascinating. Such a mystery around that. Mexico says he was drunk, fell over a balcony. She says he was a victim of a vicious murder. So we'll get into that. Okay, a lot to talk about. And a quick reminder, I am taking phone calls uh, for Handle on the Law off of the air. Uh, you can still listen to Gary and Shannon on the phone while you're on hold, which is not going to be very long. I zip through these phone calls, no commercials or anything. And the number is 877-520-1150. That's 877-520-1150. I'm going to start in just a moment off the air. Coming up. Gary and Shannon, right here, KFI AM 640 Live, everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.